0: Podcast is presented by Wellspring of Life Church, a community of faith, hope, and purpose. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Some of you will appreciate this, some of you will probably throw stuff at me, but that's okay. I've I got yep, she's already she's already geared up. I can see it coming. A blonde got caught in a blizzard. It was snowing heavily and blowing to the point that visibility was almost zero when she got off of work. She made her way to a car, to her car and wondered how she was going to make it home. She sat in her car for a while, warmed up, and thought about her situation. She finally remembered her dad's advice that if she got caught in a blizzard, she should wait for a snowplow to come by and follow it. That way, she would not get stuck in the snow drift. This made her feel much better and sure enough, in a little while, a snowplow went by, and she started to follow it. As she followed the snowplow, she was feeling very smug as they continued as she was not having any problem getting through the blizzard conditions. After quite some time had passed, she was somewhat surprised when the snowplow stopped and the driver got out and came back to her car, signaled to roll down her window. The snowplow driver wanted to know if she was okay as she had been following him for a very long time. She said that she was fine and told him of her dad's advice to follow a snowplow um, when she gets caught in a blizzard. The driver replied, well, that's okay with me. Um, And she could continue to follow him if she wanted to. But he told her he was done with the Walmart parking lot and was going over to Kmart if she wanted to go. (laughs) Oh, you're laughing at that one. (laughs) Last time I told a blonde joke, you didn't like it. You used to be blonde, me too. All right. Oh, this morning, God is amazing in in so many ways. Typically, when I do the message, I get with Kenny and ask for a bunch of songs, and, say no. and he says no. This morning, or this for this, I didn't even ask him because he put the, he put the list out so fast I didn't get a chance. So, but what was amazing is the list that of songs he put out really speaks to what I'm going to talk about this morning. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll do my best to get through this as best I can. As we all know, I'm going to grab a Kleenex real quick. Life can be, thank you, dear, uh, a roller coaster. We have our peaks and our valleys. We go through our ups and downs, and everybody goes through them. This morning, I want to talk about, and I've never ever preached from, or I say preached, I shouldn't say that. I've never ever given a message from Jonah. So for those of you, some of you back there, Jonah is in the Old Testament. And I've never ever talked about anything coming from Jonah. But this morning, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 2. And I want to talk about bouncing back from the bottom. General George Patton said, success is how high you bounce when you hit bottom. General Patton's words remind us that most of us hit bottom at some point. Life has its ups and downs, its highs and its lows. No matter how hard you try, to stay on high peaks and of the mountains. At some point, you descend into the deep, dark valley, and at some point, you hit the bottom. You may hit the bottom when you make a wrong or foolish choice, or you may hit bottom because of wrong, foolish choices of others. Failure can send you plummeting down to the depths of discouragement. When your money runs low, or your health is snatched away, when depression drags you down, And you can't seem to find any hope when you feel all alone and God feels far away. You look around and discover that you've hit bottom. Everybody goes through it at some point. Everybody will hit the bottom. And the real issue is though for all of us is how do we bounce back when we hit the bottom? So this morning we're gonna ask a man who's been there and done that and bought the t-shirt. He knows what it's like to go as low as you can. His is the story of a man who's gone to the bottom and bounced back, and his name is Jonah. And his bounce back is recorded in chapter 2, which is I'm going to read from here in just a second. This is where the Bible shows you and I how to bounce back from the bottom. So I'm going to start with verse 1, of course. So we're going to read verse 1 through 10 of Jonah chapter 2, and then we'll come back and we'll dissect each, or some of these verses at the end here. From the inside of the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. Verse 7, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayers rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God, excuse me, from God's love for them. But But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good, and I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Verse 10 says, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. So how do we bounce back when we hit the bottom? I've got three topics I want to cover um, that Jonah kind of modeled for us um, that we can use in our own lives. And the first one is looking up in prayer. Verse 1 um, this is what we're to dissect first. C.S. Lewis said, one of the reasons God so often sends us to the bottom is to humble us. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you can't see something that's above you. This was certainly true of Jonah, and for some of us, um, before we hit the bottom, we're doing the same thing. Yeah. Jonah turns his gaze away from God to himself. His pride blinds him to God's purpose and presence. Instead of obeying God and going to Nineveh, he sets the sights. his sights on escaping to Tarshish, Tarshish, Tarshish. I'm assuming that most everybody, if not all of you, know the story of Jonah. I don't want to just assume that, but I don't have a whole lot of time to go through the whole uh, backdrop of the story. But in a nutshell, Jonah's just like us, disobeyed God and paid the consequences. His was, his was pretty hefty, and sometimes ours can be as well. <clears throat> the storm doesn't clear up his vision, when he jumps on the ship to go to Tarsus. In fact, he tries to go to the hull of the boat and just hopes to die. Um, and then the, all the crew and that of the ship says, why is this happening to us? And then Jonah says, well, because of me. And they say, okay, we're going to throw you overboard. So they do. <clears throat> That's the summary version of, the reader's version of, how, of the story of Jonah. So he hoped he would die when he went over the edge of the boat there. Even when he gets thrown overboard, Jonah is only looking to die. But God had other plans. He sends a great fish to swallow Jonah and keep him in timeout for three days. If you have little kids and you put them in timeout, tell them the story of Jonah, that this is what you're going to use for timeouts. During those three days, this prodigal prophet is finally humble enough to look back up. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. I don't know if he had enough room in the belly of the great beast um, to get down on his knees, Um, but I bet you he was pretty humble when he was in the belly of the fish because he'd been running from God. And when he hits the bottom, he starts to look up. I'm sure I could ask the question, but I'm sure that's never happened to anybody in this room. Lots of folks say they don't have time to pray. It's a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week world that we live in. We work long hours. We get home. We have stuff to do when we get home. Dinner, chores, kids, practices. Um, And then we just go to bed. And before we know it, everything is over and our eyes closed. And just as we're about ready to sink off into this deep sleep, we say a quick prayer, asking God just to be with everybody. And that's it. So when do you all find time to pray? And that's just a question for all of us to ask. We always find time to pray when we hit the bottom though, don't we? When trouble grinds our lives to a halt, when we become desperate to figure out what to do, suddenly we find time to pray. When we get sick or hurt, we don't know when we'll get better, we will find the time to pray. When the seeds of our disobedience produce a harvest of chastisement, suddenly we find time to talk to the Lord. When the devil whispers, we've gone too far, that we have no hope, that we might as well give up and get it over with, then it's time to look up in prayer to God. One of the things that at least it's a, it's a bad excuse um, but it's an excuse I use is I don't eliminate all the hurry in my life. We need to get to the point where we emphasize on the important things, prioritizing tasks so we have the time to spend in prayer and in worship. <clears throat> and we got to understand that our worth is not determined by our productivity. Ephesians 5 15 through 17 says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. When we hit the bottom, we need to look up to God, call on his name, believe he's still listening because the wonderful truth is even when we hit the bottom, he still hears our prayers. Jerry Levin was, an assi- was assigned to as a Middle East Bureau Chief for CNN. He viewed his assignment as a new adventure, but this adventure took a turn for the worst when in 1983, Jerry felt a tight tap, or excuse me, a light tap on his shoulder. A short bearded man in his early 20s pushed a green handgun into his stomach. Two and a half hours later, he was led into a building and shoved into a room where they shackled his right arm to a radiator, and then they left. Jerry waited and listened. He was alone. Days passed in a blur of of monotony and fear. It was here that the most remarkable thing happened. Jerry prayed for the first time in years. He prayed to God, God, please forgive men like these because they are in part responsible for bringing me to you and your son. Jerry realized God used his imprisonment to get his attention. Sometimes uh, we can go that far. Hopefully we don't, but sometimes we do. Psalm 116, 3-4 says, The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. To bounce back from the bottom, we begin by looking up to the Lord in prayer. But Jonah shows us when we hit bottom, The second thing we need to do is come to an understanding. I'm just gonna, a real quick side note I put on here. I'm reading this book by, uh, well, I'll get to that in a minute. The second thing is come to an understanding. Sometimes the issues that we go through just need a little clarification. There was a time when Abraham Lincoln was uh, debating a man who seemed to have a hard time telling the truth. Lincoln said, well, let's see if we can come to an understanding. Tell me how many legs does a cow have? Four, of course, came the reply disgustedly. That's right, agreed Lincoln. Now, suppose you call the cow's tail a leg. How many legs would the cow have? Why, five, of course, was the confident reply. Now, that's where you're wrong, sir, said Lincoln. Calling a cow's tail a leg doesn't make it a leg. Sometimes prayer is not asking God for what you want. It is coming to an understanding of the whole truth. Because we always ask the question, why am I going through this? Jonah doesn't really ask God for anything, as it says in verse 9. Instead, he says something like, Lord, I need help to get a few things straight. Jonah asks three very important questions that help he and God come to an understanding. And the first one is this, where am I? Jonah expects to drown soon after hitting the water, yet he finds himself alive. But where is he? Jonah tells us where he goes. Um, In verse 2, from deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help. Jonah compares being in the deep blue sea, in the dark belly of the great fish, to being buried in a grave. Verses 3, 5, and 6, Jonah is in a hard place, a place of punishment, a dark place, but not a hopeless place. He's at the bottom, but he's not done yet. He's saying to himself, I'm down, but I'm not out. The second thing is, how how did I get here? For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas. Jonah realizes God brought him to the bottom. He didn't get there by chance, but by divine providence. God sent Jonah to the bottom to give him a little more time to think, to give him another chance to make the right decision. Jonah is still able to choose but he also was able to understand the truth. God brought me here to help me, not to destroy me. And the third one is this, what's my next move? Jonah faces a choice and there are indications that he makes the right one. Verse four says, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. Verse seven, he says, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. As you know, the temple was a focal point of God's presence in Israel. Remembering the Lord is not just calling back to mind, but returning to God. Jonah is ready to sacrifice, to give up his own will for God's will. Instead of running from God's presence, Jonah begins to seek God's presence. The biblical word is repentance. I will turn back to the Lord. Here's my side note. I'm reading a book by Jeff Kemp. I don't know if anybody knows who Jeff Kemp is. Uh, He is the son of Jack Kemp, who was a quarterback in the NFL years ago. And the book is called Receive the Way of Jesus for Men. Um, And it's a really good book. And one of the things that he said in there stood out to me. When we go through things, and especially when we feel like we're responsible or we just have a time, the first thing the devil does is come to us and try to shame us. And what he said in the book really stuck with me because he says in there, the devil will come and try to shame us. And shame leads to condemnation. But conviction leads to repentance. And that just really hit me really hard uh, when I read that. And it's just really stuck with me since then. We find ourselves in the same place as Jonah sometimes. Hopefully none of you today. And so the questions we ought got to ask ourselves is, where am I? At the bottom, things can look pretty dark. We can look around and decide we've finally gotten to the place where there's no hope or no help for us. It'd be easy to lay down and give up. It'd be better to realize what Jonah did. I'm, I'm down, but I'm not out. I may be at the bottom, but this is not the place to quit. It's the place to learn courage, patience, and persistence. We all have a choice. Are we going to get up and keep fighting, or are we going to give it up? Second one is, how did I get here? Jonah's at the bottom because he's running from God. Not everyone is there for that reason. Maybe it's your own fault or somebody else's fault. Maybe it's nobody's fault. Just one of those unexplainable things that happens. But in the bigger picture, you need to understand that behind everything that happens to you, God is at work. And that's hard place to be but we have to we have to hold on to that truth he often brings us to the bottom like he did jonah not to destroy us but to help us if you are a child of god nothing happens to you by accident but only through god's plan and purpose and the third we ask ourselves as well is what's my next move do what jonah did and turn to the lord if you're at the bottom because of disobedience. You need to confess your sin and repent. You need to come to the understanding that God is right and we are not. One of the reasons God puts us in time out is so we can change directions from pursuing sin to pursuing him. Repentance involves not only a change of heart but a change of direction, seeking God and forsaking our sins. Disobedience might not be the reason you've hit bottom, but you still need to turn to the Lord. You need to come to an understanding that just because you've hit bottom doesn't mean God has abandoned you. You can still turn to him for your comfort, turn to him for strength, turn to him for wisdom and guidance. Too often, folks who hit the bottom become bitter, angry, and instead of turning to the Lord, they turn elsewhere. Don't let that happen to you. And when I say don't let that happen to you, I say I'm speaking to myself. This uh, message, when I put this together earlier this week, turned out to be prophetic for me. So turn to him and remember that even in the deepest, darkest areas of life, Jesus walks with you. Yeah. Corey Tinboom used to say, When the train goes through a tunnel and the world gets dark, do you jump out? Of course not. You sit and trust the engineer to get you through. Bouncing back after hitting bottom involves looking up in prayer, coming, in, coming to an understanding with the Lord. And finally, the third thing is, trust God to lift you out. When you hit bottom, sometimes you wonder, things drive me nuts, if you'll ever bounce back. You literally cannot get much lower than Jonah did. Um, it's been said that um, large whales because we don't really know what animal it was that he was in. But large whales can dive 7,000 feet below the surface, stay there for two hours. So we don't know for sure what he was in, but I'm sure he probably went down farther than anybody at that time. There was no submarines, no scuba gear, none of that stuff. So uh, he had no one that would come and save him. There was no one. There was no Coast Guard. There was no Navy. He was on his own. Or was he? Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah figures out where he is, why he's there, and what his next move is. But he also knows if he is ever going to see the light of day again, it will be because God rescues him. He completely and utterly is helpless to save himself. So God must save him. When you hit bottom, you can trust God to lift you up. When you're lost in sin and helpless to reach God, the Bible says Jesus can lift you up. Romans 5, 6 says, For you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. There's an old hymn, and I bet there's a couple people that can name it before I ever get to, before I get to the last of it. I'm gonna look around. You win a prize if you get it. I was sinking deep in sin. Far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me, when nothing else could help. You and I cannot save ourselves. He must save us, and he will save us if we trust him. A man is sitting next to a preacher on an airplane. You look nervous, said the minister. Are you all right? He said, I'm scared stiff. The pastor asked, why? Because you know what they say, what goes up must come down. The minister decided to share with this man the peace that comes from knowing Jesus. And there on the spot, the fellow dedicated his life to the Lord. The pastor says, I imagine you see things a little differently now. He says, yes, Reverend. I know now that if we go down, I go up. Jesus died for us so we can be rescued from the pit of sin. Psalm 41 through 2 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. The most important thing that we need to remember when we hit the bottom is not how far we've fallen or how impossible our situation seems. The most important thing to remember is who can rescue us from the pit. A man fell into a pit and try as he did, could not get out. A counselor came by and said, I feel your pain. A college professor came along and said, it's logical that someone would fall down there. A politician pledged to appoint a committee to work on how to help people out of pits. Sounds about right, doesn't it? A Pharisee walked by and said, only bad people fall into a pit. A news reporter promised the exclusive story on the plight of those who fall into pits. An IRS collector asked if he was paying taxes on the pit. A TV evangelist said, just confess that you're not in a pit. An optimist said, things could be worse. And a pessimist says, they will get worse. But then Jesus came by and seeing the man, took him by the hand and lifted him out of the pit. If you live long enough, and some of us have been around, some longer than others, you will find yourself at the bottom. The bottom may fall out on you financially, emotionally, spiritually, but be assured, because we live in this world, it will come. Everybody spends time at the bottom. The important thing to know is how to bounce back from the bottom. Jonah has shown us how to do this by looking up in prayer, by turning to God, by trusting the Lord to save us. Do you need help getting out of a pit this morning? If you do, why not call out to the Lord and let him lift you up? Proverbs 3:11 through 12 says, "My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent His rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those He loves as a father, the son He delights in. He loves us too much to keep living the way that we do. He longs to be at the center of our lives. So he has designs and our troubles, and they are always for our good. C.S. Lewis said it like this. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It's megaphone. It's his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. God uses us tough times to get our attention. Is he getting your attention today? God always sees more than we do but do you see yourself as he does? God confirms his priorities with his presence. Can you sense his presence with you now, urging you to trust him in whatever you may be going through? Private faithfulness is a prerequisite to public usefulness. Are there things in your life, in your home, that need to go so God can move in power in your life? God is patient with our faith process. He meets us right where we are and with what we need. Success is determined by God's power, not ours. Will you trust in him today to get you out of whatever pit you might be in? Will you trust him with your life, your children, your finances, your job, and every aspect of your life? That is a question that I post to all of us this morning. Thank you for listening to this message by Wellspring of Life Church in Western Colorado. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please visit wellspringoflifechurch.com so I will lift up, lift up my heart.